Well, praise the Lord. If you go into children's church, now's the time to go. It would be bad if I forgot that right after him saying that, but I'm sure it's going to happen a few hundred times in the next few years. Uh, but it's good to be here at Crossway Church once again. And I, just as I mentioned Wednesday night, that is a uh, not something I say lightly. As many of you know, I've been uh, gone for about five years now. And I know some people came up to me after church last time and said, has it really been that long? And I said, trust me, it has, you know. When you're away from, you know, the place that you're born and raised in and not just to how people talk about church, just, well, that's where my, my dad pastors and my so-and-so go. No, this, this is a special place because of the message. And it's a special place because of the people as well. And that's because of the message that they believe and follow. And that's Christ crucified. Amen. The one that Jesus preached, the one that the apostles preached, the one that the early church preached, and the, the one that the prophets of old pointed to. That's what we're trying to see in the Word of God every time we open it. So it's good to be here and. Uh, as you know, me and my wife, Rebecca, and our little new almost six-month-old, Luke, uh, we're, we're settling in and we're uh, happy to be here. And I'll probably say it a million more times, but I mean it every time I say it. Amen. Glad to be gathered today with those uh, who are hungry this morning and, and unified, more unified than ever, amen, by the blood of Jesus here in Crossway Church, more unified and more sold out and determined than ever. And we have to be, not just for that which has happened and that which is happening, but that which will happen in the future. You know, uh, we, we talk about it and we mention it because it's a reality. There's some dark days ahead and we're not, you know, prophesying doom and gloom, but in, in the natural, in the world, there's going to be some stuff happen in the next year, couple of years that won't be good for this nation and for the world. But if you think that's bad, what's going to be happening in the Spirit will be far worse. It's going to be far worse. There's going to be not only a, a, an immense trial of our faith by the Lord, but a, a, an intense temptation by the powers of darkness. And that's already going on this morning. That's already going on every moment. We're going to talk about that a little bit, but you can go ahead and turn in your Bibles to James chapter 1 with me this morning. James chapter 1. I know a lot of people are scared of the book of James. Uh, well, that's just because we need to get in it and read it, amen? Amen. It, it's it's. I remember the first time I started reading there in James chapter two. I believe it is about works and faith, and I I just said, well, there's something I'm not getting here because this can't. What I'm thinking can't be right, you know. Works and faith, but the Bible, when we view it in the light of Christ, all together, it begins to make sense. Amen. It begins to make sense. But we're going to be in James one this morning. And before I read these scriptures, I just want to read a little couple of paragraphs I wrote down here just to get us ready for this passage, if that's all right with you. Just some things I wrote down here. We must take heed as believers that we do not slip away from the truth of the gospel even by an inch. Our selfish flesh, the devil, and the world all fit together as a three-headed force of darkness that attempts to lure us away from Christ every moment. 
just how we've heard the teaching in the last year, couple of years now, that, that the Lord is trying us and testing our faith every moment, there's also something else happening every moment. It's a temptation by the powers of darkness and our flesh and the world and those winds of doctrine to try to come and to tempt us while the Lord is testing us. God doesn't tempt, amen. He tests for our benefit. And while we're being tempted to lure away from Christ every moment, there's one that's mightier than all those powers of darkness, and that's Jesus Christ, the Son of God and our Savior. Amen. And this great Savior came down to earth in order to deliver us from sin and the powers of darkness. And there at the cross, Jesus already triumphed over all that which seeks to now in every moment separate us from Him. And His death has provided the victory, and we know that well here, amen. And we're trying to apply it every day to our lives. And victory, I want to talk about that for just a second. That's not victory in Christ and victory over these things through the cross. That's not just some theological concept. That's a reality. And it's not a reality that you're working toward, it's a reality that you have the moment you get saved, is victorious over sin, self, Satan, and the world. You are victorious in Christ, not based on what you do, but based on what He's already accomplished. So it's our spiritual reality. And these things that every moment are are seeking to pull us away from the cross... They've already been defeated. But here's the good, even, even if there can be better news. These things that seek to pull us away from the cross are working to do so every moment. But 2 Corinthians 4.11 tells us that our faithful Lord always delivers us to the place where they've already been defeated. 2 Corinthians 4.11 is one of those scriptures that, that come along that the Lord begins to reveal to somebody as He has the past several months through this ministry that we're always delivered over to the death of Jesus. 2 Corinthians 4.11, there we go. I knew, some, I knew it was on the screen because I saw y'all looking at it. I'm glad they did that. For we which live, who's saved in here? That's talking about you. Are always, sometimes, every now and then, every month, every few sermons, every, no, always delivered unto the death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. What is God testing us, as He says in Job 7.18, to see? He's wanting to look at us every moment and see if we're allowing for the life of Jesus to be made manifest. And that's not something that we do. The good news is that He's already delivered us to the place where He can make it a reality in our lives. The cross. You're not just born again, and we've said this a million times, and we're going to continue to say it. When you get born again, that's not your only encounter with the cross of Christ. But if you're a Bible-believing Christian, Paul said, you were baptized and buried and raised and seated now in heavenly places, but the only way you can live that life is if you, Galatians 2.20, allow Christ to live through by acknowledging the truth that you've been crucified. And it's no longer you, and it's no longer I, but it's Christ that lives through me. It's the same thing being told here in this verse, 2 Corinthians 4.11. 
and it magnifies it even more. This is one of those verses that the Lord brings along. Maybe when we'll talk about this for a little second here, when you're struggling and you might be confused, is it really all about the cross? And he brings this verse and says, always. I'm always delivering you, telling you, reminding you to the place in which I've put you in my Son, Jesus Christ, crucified with Him. I'm always delivering you unto the death of Jesus. So that which we're tempted by in every moment, God is already in every moment always delivering us to the very thing that defeated that which is tempting us. So when He's trying us in every moment, Job 7.18, and we're being tempted in every moment, James chapter 1, as we'll see in 1 Peter, uh, as we'll see in a minute, when those things are happening, He's already given us the victory. And He just wants us to open our spiritual eyes, so to speak, which is by faith, and put our faith in the cross and leave it there and participate in what we've already been given. Amen? The victory doesn't come by what we do. And you know, we say that, but here's a couple examples. The victory that we need when we're being tempted to being pulled away from Christ does not come by speaking in tongues. It doesn't come by locking yourself in a prayer closet. You, those things are God, those, those things are biblical, praying, speaking in tongues. But our victory comes by what God has already done. And for us to attempt to earn victory or, or uh, overcoming by that temptation by another means will always, always result in that failure and the success of those powers that try to pull us away. But when we see and we acknowledge the truth, and this truth doesn't get old to those who are really in the fight and realizing the magnitude of what, it's, what it is to be pulled away when you've been pulled away, when you've been confused, when you've been defeated, and then the answer comes along, it doesn't mean you're going to act perfectly every time and believe it every time. But when you know what it's like to be defeated and, and, and just, just outcast and wondering what's going on, then you will grab a hold of that truth, that illumination once you see it again. And then He'll grab a hold of you and take you up out of that place. Amen? This isn't something we learned 20 years ago and forget about and now go on to this. No, no, no. This relates to every moment. Every moment we're being attacked and every moment we're being tried. That means this powerful truth of what Christ has already done, it relates to every moment of our lives. Amen? And we can rest assured, once again, I'm just going to read this last paragraph, that every moment of a Christian's life is a battle between the flesh and the Spirit. Read Galatians. People like to say, read the book of Acts and get ready. And that's true, but read the book of Romans and get ready. That's a, I've been saying that now for read the book of Galatians and get ready. Because we're going to need to get ready for what's coming. And not just what's coming, but what's here every moment. That battle. And whether we are aware of it or not, we're constantly being tempted by our flesh and the powers of darkness. And at the same time, we're constantly being tested by God. Some might would say to that, doesn't God know how much we're already going through being tempted? Why would He add a test on top of that? But we need to understand that the test from God is not an evil temptation, something to hinder you. 
It's actually that which will work patience in you, work humility in you, work the fruit of the Spirit in you, because it's the trial of your faith. The test is to see what we'll do with the faith that we've been given. And James 1 tells us that this test is precious. James 1, chapter 1, verses 2 through 8. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Reading that at first, you're like, that that don't make sense. But then he explains it, the Holy Spirit does through James, knowing this, that the trying of your faith works patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that you might be perfect, complete, and entire, wanting nothing, lacking nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God that gives to all men liberally, the good kind of liberally, not the bad kind. just means in abundance there. To give, he gives wisdom to all men liberally, freely, in abundance. And upbraideth it not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith nothing wavering. For he that wavers is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that that he shall receive anything of the Lord. Now that's a bold statement. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. This passage of Scripture here, before we get into it, we're going to pray, but this passage of Scripture here is warning us of that which we've already been talking about, the confusion which comes from being double-minded, these attacks. Amen? But God has the answer, and it's not something we're waiting on. We're not waiting on God to do something. He's already done it. He's waiting on us to go ahead and get involved by faith in the work of the cross. It's a finished work, not an ongoing work. Lord, we come before You today and we thank You for this opportunity to minister Your Word. And I ask You today that You would speak through me and You wouldn't let any of my old filthy and nasty and smelly opinions leak through. Lord, but that Your Word would be what is seen in the light of Your Son Jesus today. Lord, because that's what we need. We don't need opinions. We don't need uh, anything else. We need Your Word. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of Your mouth. And we're asking that, Lord, in faith today. And I ask You to anoint all of our ears and open the eyes of our hearts, Lord, that we might receive and be edified, convicted, receive what we need today, Lord, to be changed by Your gospel. And I'm asking all these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Once again, this passage of Scripture, I wanted to say all that at the beginning and lead us right into this passage because the Lord's been dealing with this, what I shared with you at the beginning for a few weeks now, that it's not just coming in the future and it just didn't happen in the past. Right now in every moment there's a fight going on. And we would say, you know, I said, when I first started thinking about it, I said, well, everybody already knows this. We already know there's a fight. But the Lord wants me to deal with that that place, that place of uh, that you can find yourself in, that place when you're being beat down every moment by the enemy and tested by God to see where you'll put your faith. It's a place of confusion. And let me tell you, there is a great deception in because we're in the last days now. We're in the last days. It's not yesterday or tomorrow. We're in the last days now. 
Peter wrote that they were in the last days then. So what does that mean for us? So there's a great deception that not it's not just coming, and it's not just going to be blatantly obvious. It's going to be every moment in each individual's life. There, and I'm talking about the temptation of this. And there may be a, a huge event over a course of a period of a few years where, where we see a lot of Christians begin to be deceived by a certain religion or certain this, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the spiritual battle that's going on every moment that we don't really need any input from the outside to mess up. And I'm putting myself at the front of that list How many times have we found ourselves in a place where a decision has to be made? Let me answer that for you every moment, as we've already talked about. And it's very easy for us to make the wrong decision. And then we'll make another wrong decision and another, and then we find ourselves in a place of not knowing where we're at. Have you ever been there? Not knowing, well, is this really it or or is it something else? And that's called, that's called, that's what we go through. That's the battle that we're in. But the good news, once again, is that every moment God is delivering us to the place of blessed assurance, assurity in the person and the work of Christ, that the battle's already been won. Amen? And this passage is warning us about that battle. And if, let me just say this, if we're considering here, because that's what the context of this passage is, it's being tempted and it's being tried, our faith, and, and then it's, it's talking about being double-minded. And if we're tempted uh, by and considering many different things, God wants us to be single-minded and not double-minded. Amen? I'm not talking about should we get turkey or bologna today? Should I get the Big Mac or the Quarter Pounder? I'm talking about today, is it really all about the cross or is it some about what I'm seeing over here? Is it, is it really all about Christ and what He did, or, or is it about this? And, 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 and you just fill in the blank because it could be different for every single person. And every single person go, is going through this battle right now. Because you've decided to, to, to believe in Christ and, and go the way of the cross does not mean that we are exempt from that spiritual battle of confusion. But what does it mean? It means that God wants us to choose every moment to go a little bit deeper in the work of the cross. A little bit deeper. And and, and we know when we're at those crossroads. We know when we get to that place and we say, well, not maybe not that area, Lord. Maybe not this, Lord. And He's up there saying... It's my way or no way. The way of salvation is narrow, and once you get in, the, the path does not broaden. It's a narrow gate, and then it's a narrow way and narrow road. You don't get in and then start saying, well, I think I'll go try this doctrine out, and I think I'll go try this religion and this church out. No, the way of Christ is a narrow way. He said there's one way to follow me, and it's the denial of self and taking up of the cross. And why am I talking about all this this morning? Well, first and foremost, because I've dealt with this, and I've had to make a decision. And then 
We all, this is another reason, it's not just, once again, I'll say it, and I might say it a few more times, so bear with me. It's not just coming in the future. The the trial is right here every moment in the morning and then every moment that we're awake. And maybe sometimes when we're asleep. Now, we won't get into all that because I'm not a doctor. I don't know about dreaming and all that. I don't even remember mine half the time. I woke up this morning and told him, you know, it's funny. I had a dream last night, and I actually remembered it. I dreamed that I had to cut down some of these trees out there and put them in the, the ditch because there's going to be a flood or something. don't know why I shared that with you, but you might have to discern, you know. But, uh, but what I, the importance and the reason that I'm saying all this is because we, the, the talk we hear about spiritual warfare most of the time is about uh, the obvious, the strongholds and the, the vices, the big five, so to sp- speak, the big five sins, whatever they might be. But, but there is something much more tedious and something you cannot see unless you're being more aware of Christ and what He did at the cross going on every moment. And it's something that's in there trying to pull you away trying to pull you away. Amen? And it can be so deceptive. It can be so deceptive. You can be reading the Scriptures and seeing Christ and what He did, but then all of a sudden you're starting to maybe feel, well, maybe this is starting to show out too, and maybe we've missed it in this area. And maybe, and I'm speaking from experience. And when that happens, when you ask the Lord the question, Lord, is it really all about the cross? If you will open your ears, He will take you to the Scriptures. And He will show you something like 2 Corinthians 4.11, which says, not just sometimes, Andrew, but always I'm delivering you over to that death. So you might as well make up your mind and decide today that this is what it's about. It's about the cross of Christ. And frequently I ask myself the question, and I just sit there and then, you know, people might would say, well, isn't that kind of a, you know, it sounds like you're a babe on the milk to ask something like that. But no, it's about the simplicity of the gospel. And this is what it is. I'll ask myself, if the Lord for 6,000 years of human history now, since Adam and Eve. If all he's ever been about, in all he has spoken when he deals with man, in all that he has pointed to in all the stories, if that's all about the Lamb of God who came 2,000 years ago, what in the world would I be about besides the Lamb of God? That's all God's ever been about. That's all He's ever been about. When Christ died, rose again, and was ascended, the focus did not shift to Pentecost. Pentecost happened because of the cross. And Peter, Paul, James, John were not focused on an event. Well, let me actually, they were. But it wasn't the event of Pentecost. They were focused on the event of the cross. And Peter, on the day of Pentecost, got up and preached the cross. And don't, don't, don't mishear me. I'm not saying he got up and preached Romans 6 and Galatians because at that point they didn't quite understand that. But he got up and preached what he knew and what he knew. God don't just honor what you know, but he honors what you know if it's about the cross. And Peter got up and preached that there is remission of sins because of the blood of Jesus. How do we know that? Because Acts 2 says it. 
And we have all the stories of Jesus telling his followers over and over, over and over, I've got to go die. I've got to go die for the sin of the world. And it's going to be about the preaching of the remissions of sins. And they didn't understand it while he was still alive. But when he died, let me tell you, and he rose again and ascended, and then the Spirit of God came to live inside those apostles, they understood what he was telling them on earth. They understood that the cross wiped away my sin. And then God began to raise up another man who didn't even walk with Jesus. (laughs) who stoned and killed some of the disciples of Jesus, Paul. He began to raise up Paul to say, it's not just about the remission of sins, it's about the wall of hostility between the Jews and the Gentiles is gone, and you can all be saved by grace and faith in the blood of Jesus, and you can all be kept by grace and faith in the blood of Jesus, and you can only have victory by the grace and faith in the blood of Jesus, and you can only grow. Amen? And Peter said, now, he wrote this in the Scripture, about other Scripture, and Paul's letters would have been circulating the church in this time, and Peter wrote and said, now some of Paul's writings are hard to understand, but they're Scripture. He said, but some of Paul's writings are hard to understand, but if you twist them like some have, it will be to your destruction. It's all about Calvary. To the early church, it was all about Calvary. Even when they were in ignorance of the the more better way, as, as Aquila and Priscilla would teach Apollos, they were still just about Jesus and His finished work. Every sermon was the Old Testament read and light shone on Jesus as the Savior and the crucified and risen Lamb of God. It's all about Calvary. So this this passage that we're reading about the trial of our faith, and then we see James bring up uh, uh, wavering and being double-minded. See, it's all about that trial. He's trying us to see, will we be wavering like a, like a, a wave out in the sea and double-minded, or will we be single-minded? That's the trial. The trial is not... Let, read verse 3 and 4 with me, if you would. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith works patience. Your patience is not being tried. Your faith is so that it can work patience in you because it's in the cross which the, the Spirit of God only works in. You know, how many times have, he, have we said, well, this is really working my patience thin? Wearing my patience thin? No. No, it's, it's trying your faith to see if you'll let it produce patience. Amen? But, but James tells us, it tells us, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God and he'll give it. And why does, this almost seems kind of mis, out of place if you just read it in the context of this uh, uh, passage. But if you read it, what's really being said here is, that's what the trial of your patience is for, to get wisdom. Because when our faith is tried and, and it's kept, because we're kept by the power of God, That's what wisdom is. You're becoming wise. You're experiencing the wisdom of God, which is Jesus Christ and what He did at Calvary. And and we, we can get in this place, and I know I said before that we really need no help from outside voices. We can mess it up ourselves. 
And if that's true, how much, how much more dangerous it is than to include outside voices. That's a double whammy. And if we open up ourselves to something other than the preaching of the cross, we'll find ourselves in this place of confusion. I'm speaking from experience. We've all been there, haven't we? We've all toyed with this a little bit. Read this. Watch this. Listen to this. And then we find ourselves in that place of confusion and we wouldn't even be there if we didn't open up ourselves to the outside council, as we heard on Wednesday night. What, is, what, what, what are we hearing? Which council are we hearing? Which council are we reading? And if we open up ourselves to those voices, we might find ourselves in a place in that, those councils where nothing makes sense. Because it's that battle. It's that battle, that spiritual battle that we're in. And let me just say that the flesh is looking for a message or a way of living where it can get glory. And the only message, the only way of living in which self and the flesh cannot have glory 